The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald, and this is Blethered with Cinch Presents Transmit. I'm joined by Dylan John Thomas ahead of his set at Transmit, and we talk about touring with Jerry Cinnamon and Liam Gallagher. We discuss the changes to Dylan's sound and style after lockdown. And we look ahead to Transmit 2021, with this being Dylan's biggest hometown gig to date. And as always, we chat about plenty more. So if you enjoy this episode, feel free to share it. Blethered live on stage is coming to St Luke's in Glasgow on Friday the 26th of November with a very special surprise guest. Tickets are now on sale via Ticketmaster. Just click on the link in the episode notes to buy. It's going to be a great night with great guests, so don't miss out. Cheers. So, Dylan, last time we spoke, 2019, things are obviously very different since then. Last time we spoke on record, we have we have communicated since then. Do you think it's just a professional relationship? <laughs> I know, I know. We're <laughs> pals and we're behind the cameras. Um, the, if anybody, first of all, if you want to hear about Dylan's life and upbringing, it's all covered in the first one. Very interesting. Non-easy time yet, which makes it more impressive that he's he's done what he's done. But when we recorded that, summer 2019, the next day you set off for the Isle of Wight Festival. How did it go? I sound. It's about five days away though. Oh, so now you need to get you need to sleep down at, I think you get down to Portsmouth or something. I had to go to a hotel there and then we had to get a ferry the next day. So I was a trek, but it was a good gig. Um, the tent that I played was packed. That was some buzz. At that time, you, you were doing very well. You know, you did your, I think you did the gig at King Touch by then or maybe that was, was that just after? I was just the, the no. I'd done the I'd done the King Tut's gig about a couple of weeks before. Hmm. So I can't mind. I can't. No, I, neither. I, neither I, can I. I all kinds sure. of melts into one. Uh, but at that point, things were going really well. Mm-hmm. But when you when you get on stage at the Isle of Wight, are you thinking, right, this is next level? Did you feel as if you'd bumped up a stage? Well, it, was, it was the first festival that I'd played since releasing music, and I that was meant to play a festival because like, I'd played gigs before, obviously. But festivals are a different ball game. Hmm. When you're playing gigs, if you're headlining, people are turning up to see you, so you've got that. Or if you're supporting, then then it's like uh, some people know who you are, like the chances are still, some people know who you are, some people turn up early or whatever. But with festivals, because you've got that kind of passerby kind of thing, mm-hmm. where people go, oh, who's that, or whatever, do you know what I mean? That kind of, it just gives it a different element when you're playing, because it gives it that kind of, I don't know, it's almost like a... Well, it's an unpredictable nature, isn't it? Because uh-huh. I've got a few questions in. First of all, do you feel extra nervous then? Because it is that passerby thing when you're going on. Or do you just think, I'm Dylan, I'm here to do what I'm going to do and people are going to enjoy it? Aye, I, I, I don't no, I don't really... Or do you know things I don't, I see, see the thing, like, we spoke, as we spoke about in the first podcast, about like, the busking kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It gets to the point where, no matter where you're playing, you get to the point of, I'm going to say confidence, but because you've done it so often, mm-hmm. it's like the nerves are... It's mere excitement. Do you know what I mean? There's no, no really nerves as in like, Aye. oh, like, it's mere kind of, you're, you're just buzzing to play. Do you know what I mean? But what, what I mean in terms of the, the different element is that, is that kind of unpredictable nature, but I don't think it's, it doesn't translate into nerves. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I suppose then, because if, you, if you're busking and you, every day you're getting a really good response 
or you're playing, you're supporting people, which we'll, we'll go on to talk about, and you're getting a good response, you must think, I'm going to get a good response each time. It's like being, no, no arrogant, but a sort of self-assuredness mm. where you think, well, I, I know what I bring to the table. I think here. it's, if you keep your tools sharp enough, you know that you can go on, and no matter what happens, mm-hmm. you'll be able to deal with it. I think the problem starts arising when you don't practice enough, when you think that you're better than what you are. And that's a, that's a weird thing as well, because you need a certain element of confidence and, and I buy ego in it as well because you need to be able to go on and go, right, I'm going to fucking smash this. Do you know what I mean? I, f- I feel like I know exactly what you mean by that because there's being confident and knowing you're capable, but you need to stay ready. You need to stay prepared. Or you say, keeping your tool sharp and not being ready at a moment's notice to go and give the same high level of performance. Yeah. I think once you're in, if you're in that zone where you're practicing day in, day out, or you're writing enough or whatever, you're, mm-hmm. you're, I think you get to, to a stage of readiness. Do you know what I mean? You get to a stage of... Is it, it's finding a balance of not inflating your ego to the point where you think you're fucking amazing because mm-hmm. there's only one way you're going for that, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And I think if you get to a stage of confidence and if you balance that with, because like, obviously you want to be humble about it, do you know what I mean? You don't want to be walking about going, I'm fucking dynamite or whatever. I, I know people who are like that and it just fucks them. But I think if you get to a stage of when you're, you're rehearsing enough, you're practicing, you're writing, I think you can go into any gig or any show Aye. in the world and... and and smash it, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did you, did you notice like an influx of new fans when you go and do something like that? Because you must be able to sort of pinpoint, oh, here's a wee, here's a wee sort of injection of people or, or attention. Because <laughs> if you've got the tent absolutely packed out, there's no way that they're not then looking you up after. Aye, but aye, you do, but I don't really... But I suppose, could you get messages and all that after people saying, oh, you smashed it, or mm-hmm. people saying you're shite or what? Do you ever get no, that? It's just funny shit, like... It's not like overwhelming now. I've had like a couple of just random messages at the phone in the morning going, you're shit. I feel like, like brilliant. that's probably somebody who's a wee bit unhappy with their life at the phone in the morning if they're no, taking I, the I time out. I think it's funny, man. Like, funny or no, that, that uh, somebody's sending you that message <laughs> at the phone in the morning. It's funny, it's funny but that, that element of kind of putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. After the Isle of Wight, were you touring with Jerry first? Because you were touring with both Jerry Cinnamon and Liam Gallagher. Oh, that's... That's massive. That's huge. What's what's nuts about that is, like, it's hard. Like, I've hardly even re- reflected on it because, like, a month later it was locked down, and mm. I was like, kind of startled by the fact that we're only going to be able to play for like two years. Aye. Jared went for because it was like every single step was like a micro step. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like venue would like the venues would go up like a hundred cap capacity each yeah. time, right? And that's been on for like years before it. And then bang, he was playing a fucking arena tour, mm-hmm. and just like, what the fuck, man. That was mental. I remember like every night just walking on stage, sound checking stuff. You're just like, that's just like so hard to take in. Mm-hmm. See when you're sound checking, you can hear your it takes like a minute for your voice to come back to you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like hello. Hello. Because <laughs> every night it was like thirteen thousand people singing Jerry's tunes. Do you know what I mean? And it was just I don't know, it's just hard to put any words because I was that close to it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, do you when you're on supporting them? Do you, because you would be overawed by that, especially if you're watching it and you've seen the whole journey that he's been on. But when you then go on stage, do you just again shut off? It's game time. You're here. To, I'm here to perform. Or, uh, or did you feel as if? Because I think there's no shame in being a bit overawed by it in that first instance. Oh no, I definitely was overwhelmed by it. But I think anybody would be overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the like the fact that the fact that he's done that. Um, but in terms of in terms of what you're saying about playing. As I said, because it's as I was talking about LBJ doing the micro steps kind of micro step kind of thing where each tour it was gradually getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of people don't see. They just see like the, the album gone out and then bang, it was just but every every gig was so I think because I'd went along mm-hmm. 
been a language of journey. I think that it was it's hard to explain, like with the actual playing side of things, as I was talking about earlier, when you when your tools are sharp enough and you're and you're practicing enough, like the actual playing side of things doesn't really affect you that much. Mm-hmm. But the main thing that I, that I would take for that is just like fact that that it happened thirteen thousand people a night. Aye, it's just it's hard to put any words. Do you know what I mean, I, I can hardly I can hardly even think about it. Remember even playing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was that mental. We you mentioned there about people thinking it just the album comes out and then that's it, bang. But you're saying mm-hmm. it's micro steps and these incremental changes and developments and whatever. That's a really interesting point because you always read if you, if, and this isn't an interview with Jerry, but I think it's relevant to you as well, which is why I'm kind of bringing it up. Where people will say you read it overnight sensation overnight success and you're like it's not overnight he's been doing it for 10 12 13 years like absolutely yeah, crafting. Yeah. and now what you're seeing is the sort of fruits of the labor do you do you look at that and and re- see how long it took and how long that process was does that encourage you to just keep going and keep going because you're, you're hardly doing terrible I think it encourages anybody and there's mm. no not even just in music i think it encourages anybody i agree when you think about imagine growing up in cast mountain in the 90s <laughs> like to go for that to then at the stage that he's at the stage that Terry's at now, I think it, as I said, it's not even just I think just me inspires. It's like anybody about Glasgow, even Glasgow, like do you know what I mean, all different places, well, but like especially Glasgow people that have grown up in that like the very similar situation, knowing that there's a way out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know? I see. We always that's an interesting point. People talk about people always say a way out, and it doesn't always have to be a way out. It can be a way in to living a life or doing something that you you really love and really enjoy whatever it might be I think the, the the way out thing comes from just how fucked up it is like growing up in certain schemes I think about uh, so obviously like, I've spoken about a lot about growing up in foster care and stuff and I think like my perspective isn't that well, I don't really feel any resentment towards it well as we spoke about in the, the first time we sat down and it was something that kind of fueled you and while it's like it was out of order the way things go and if, if people have heard it then they'll know what I'm talking about if they've not go back and listen to it it was terrible <laughs> but I suppose it was something that fueled you you can either you can use these experiences in two mm-hmm. ways you can either be you know full of resentment uh, and you can be you, you can allow it to weigh you down and sort of carry about that anger and it will get you nowhere or you can use it to kind of fuel you and propel you which is exactly what you did and I mean to go for that then to to you know support Liam Gallagher for being on tour I mean how how did that must did that not blow your mind it's a bizarre thing as I said I've still not even took this in what actually happened over those couple of months mm. because like a month later we were in lockdown and I know I've had two years to reflect yeah was that kind of gutted about not being able to play it? I don't know why to look back on on anything, do you know what I mean? It's just nuts to think about those three months. I, I would, like, it was October, November and December. We went for, I was playing with Jerry and then in November I played with Liam and then back to December I played with Jerry and finished mm-hmm. after the Hydros. Aye. So they, they, they like three months of playing me like, because they two are the biggest, in terms of solo acts, they two are the, are the biggest in uh, males, in, I'm pretty sure for that genre well for that genre anyway there will be but I think like that the idea that I was on tour with the two of them mm-hmm. do you know what I mean because like, it was like Jerry was like the fastest selling arena one of the fastest selling I think it was the fastest selling arena tour. it's just nuts man I think that like as you're talking about going from foster care and then playing shows with people like Liam but then again people like, it is nuts but you've earned you're not there you didn't win a, a raffle you didn't win you know, a, a lucky bag you were there because you've sort of earned the right to be there and deserve to be there. Is, was there any lingering doubt in your mind? I feel like 99.9% of you is very self-assured, but any normal human would be like, 
oh, this is a bit of a big step up. Did you have that, those thoughts? Nah, I think that it's just the... But are you talking about from... I just mean like, for, you, for you then being on, you know, performing with being with those two, with Jerry and Liam. Uh, any, any normal person would go, wow, this is, these are the top uh, and, and I'm here right alongside them. I think with, with Jerry, it's a different thing because he's like, he's been a big, a big brother to me for years, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think that with that, I was more ecstatic for him, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? So I, I didn't really take it in. In terms of the, the Liam thing, I was somebody who, since I was like, do you know what I mean? I wasn't born when their, when their best albums came out. So I think Jerry made it more comfortable in a sense of you're talking about like, would I have any doubt? I was like, when I, when I was with Jerry, no. I never had any, any doubt. But when right. I was with Liam, there would have been like, he... I, would, I, would have, I would have accepted it probably if doubt did come in. But at the same time, it's like... What I mean is, even if there is even the slightest wee bit of questioning yourself, the biggest part of you must go, well, I've, I've earned the right to be here. Right. I think I would, if, I, if the doubt did creep in, I would, I would probably... I would have accepted it and then analysed it and said, right, where's this coming from? Mm-hmm. And then, so that's the thing as well, well of being, what I talk about keeping your tools sharp. The only reason doubt would come in is if you're on the, is if you're on, the, on your game. Do you know what I mean? Is if, you're on the, if you're on the plane enough, that would be, but at, at that time, even back when I kind of wave length now, but at that time I was playing, like constantly playing. So I think it just becomes a thing where it's just like, uh, you don't you don't really let it affect you. Do you, know I mean? mm. you don't really let their thoughts affect you. And if you do have their thoughts, you take them in and you dismantle them. You go, that's bullshit, that's bullshit, that's bullshit. Mm. That's fine. Do you know I mean? I'm not going to do that easy, predictable way of going, so tell us about nights out, but there must have been a couple of good nights or there must have been a couple of good sessions in the tour bus. Like, how, what was the fun side like alongside the hard work? But, uh, it's not really a rock and roll kind of thing. It was more about like getting a few beers, playing FIFA. Mm. Focus yeah, on getting the performance. Like, uh, it wasn't like, no, I mean, it, like, obviously the performance comes first, but what I mean is the, in terms of like, the night suit, this is the thing about tour, people think that like, you get to go see cities or whatever, that never really, I'll basically I'll, I'll explain what, what happens from tour, right? Tour bus, for, say you're playing in England, right? Your first dates are in England. Tour bus for Brayheed, right, Glasgow. You get you got in the is bus. That's where you would meet. Why would you meet? Well, because it's, I think that was where like, the bus company, like the big oh, tour right, bus company, okay, so, like, right. that was in like, the meeting point. That was like the easiest bit for them to get to. So you go there and then say you were playing like, I don't know, like Liverpool or something the first day. Mm-hmm. So you get a tour bus, get all your shits, get, get everything ready. Um, and then you would just play FIFA all night, go to sleep, wake up the next day and you'd walk out of the tour bus and you'd be at the venue, right? right. Bounce in for a shower, sound check, go, go have your dinner, play the gig, back in the tour bus, play FIFA, sleep, Wake up next day, you walk out and you're in, you're in fucking Manchester. Right, uh, okay. Do you know what I mean? And that's just the way it would work. Um, so there was, like, although you're going and you're, you're traveling in all different cities, mm-hmm. you don't really, because you're, you're turning up to the venue and you're getting to see, like, you're, you're <clears> straight <throat> into the venue, do you know what I mean? You're, and then you're sound checking and you're playing. Do you like being in that wee bubble or would you rather be in and about the city? I know it's quite hard to, but. No, I think there's there's plenty of time to. I think you need to separate two off the, the holidays, do you know what I mean? Aye. I don't think it's a, it's no, as much a laugh as it is, and it's like the Pino you know, Tour is one of, one of the best things ever, but it's not a sightseeing expedition. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's that's, no, a, that's a really mature take on it because it, I look at, um, I do it all the time when I see a poster of any artist or band who other dates, and I look through them and I go, oh, I've been there, magic, oh, I'd love to go there, I'd love to go there, <laughs> because I'm a punter, I'm not a musician, so I'm looking at it through the eyes of, Traveling to these places, but it's a very mature outlook to have to go. No, we're here to work. 
obviously you can enjoy it. I'm not, be fun, I, I, I don't but... even mean like he'll like, work as in like some sort of fucking self righteous like. No, no, I'm no, not. I'm I, not, I'm I not don't think. Go work, but what, what I mean is like there's genuinely no time. Aye, I don't think like, that's what you're saying. But yeah, that's you're on uh, tour. You're not there. This isn't us getting to go on a wee jaunt. Mm-hmm. We're on tour and we're here. To, we're here to get something done. Ah, the, the, there is an element to that. I think my, my main thing, like my element that comes in for like for the booze side of things, that I played a gig about five years ago. I must have had about five pints before it. I went on stage. It was just the worst, like the worst I've ever played in my life. Like it was just mm. dreadful. I felt bad. I'm a fucking shite, man. I walked off stage at the end, just said, "I'll never booze before I play ever again." And, uh, I suppose it's good to have that experience once and then go right and, and sort of learn the lesson for it. Uh, when you're hungover, how do you perform? Ah, oh, that's a bit fucking, that is grim. You just, you can't really rip the arse with it. There's some bands that can date, right? And their, their full thing is that they tour once a year and their full thing is they all get together and they just booze for like three, four weeks straight, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not really, I don't know, I can't really do that. I get fucked after like fucking one night doing it and that's just me. Like, I'm, I'm the same as you. Mean. Like I, if, I'm, if I'm doing like a TV appearance or an interview or something. You're a telly, aye? <laughs> all the time, mate. <laughs> but I can't drink, see like four or five days, but I need to make sure I've not drank probably up to about a week before it if I want to be on aye. my game, if I want to be sharp. Like if you're putting me on to argue with somebody about the state of government, or to interview somebody and for it to be really engaging. If I've if I've been drinking like a couple of days before, <laughs> but I'll just know yeah. I, I, my brain just doesn't work. So they'll say something to me, and I'll hear what they're saying, but I don't uh, come up with any response. I've not got any counter question, and I, I've le- I learned my lesson uh, a couple of I times. Like the, so that's the kind of cognitive side you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The element of if you're boozing, then it can fuck your throat. Do you know what I mean? Just smoke out as well. So I think that's the main for me it's not really the cognitive side, it's more having to deal with that a sore throat. Because well? if you're smoking if you're smoking all sorts and you're you're up all night, then mm-hmm. you wake up the next day, you're, you're going to sound check and fucking cough and do the mic and all right. I mean, I, I can kinda of, I can get away with it because I'm just speaking. Mm-hmm. It still sounds terrible. But <laughs> if you're singing and people are coming <laughs> to see you or hear also you. Also, see seeing you're travelling and you're going to if you're on a tour bus or whatever, you get run down quite easy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What is, and, it, what is the tour bus like? Is it is it fancy inside? Well, it just depends who the artist is. Aye. Uh, I'm trying the last two tours have been on. Um when I was with Jerry. I was like the thing is, see as the tours get bigger, mm-hmm. you need to take more crew with you. Do you mean? So the tour bus needs to get bigger as well. Um so the last tour bus that we had that was like, oh, it was the coolest shit of a man I had like fucking two two PlayStations. A toilet. <laughs> brilliant, a toilet. Did you mention a shower? Um, Did they have? Is there any that ever have showers? Because that would be annoying. I, 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 but you, you usually just take a shower at the venue. Mm. Um, and it's better to get a shower at the venue anyway because you're, I don't know, you can take as, as long as you want. Mm. Whereas if you're on a tour bus, right, you're waiting for people, people waiting for you. Aye. Um, you have like a chef and stuff? There's catering as like, the no 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 on the tour bus on the uh, like at the venues. Right, as okay. I said, as your tours get bigger, you're paying. So um, as your tours are getting bigger, there's a lot more crew to pay. Mm-hmm. No, you pay just to put up stages, uh, lighting rigs, etc. Usually, what happens is just a big kitchen, and then that the crew member, uh, the catering staff would usually go run on the tour with you as well. But they'd have a different bus. Yeah, so that's a, that's at the level I'm talking about. That is like like superstardom level. Do you know what I mean? Like the like as a little bit arenas and all that. In terms of the tours that I'd be doing, like. The catering's Greg's. If somebody uh, said to me, do you want five-star catering 
the Michelin star chef, or do you want a steak, bacon, and oval bite of like Greg's audio? No, 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 no. Like, you, you say that, mate, but like, it's every day. Greg's 10 days in a row, mate. Oh, so fuck it. My God. Do you ever, have you ever had a vegan sausage roll? No, no, Nicer yeah. than a normal sausage roll. Aye. If anybody at Greg's is listening, you can fire a wee gift card my way. If, oh. Greg, if Greg, if you're, if you're listening, mate. <laughs> Greg, if you're tuning in, <laughs> um, there was something I was going to ask oh, about the oh, about tubers. I oh, know that's what I was going to ask you. See, when you come off it, because your sleeping must be erratic, your sleep quality must be pretty poor at times, and you're eating Greg's and stuff. Do you come off a tour and go, I want to go for a run? And you're eating Greg's? <laughs> you're like, do, do you feel, how do you feel when you come off at the back of the tour? Do you feel done in? Do you need uh, a break? Like, I usually, like, takes a couple of days. Because you're sleeping in a fucking, not a bunk bed or whatever, right. do you know what I mean, on a tour bus. So, it's just good to get you in bed. I suppose you just, like, being anywhere. Like, you, you can go on a holiday, right? You go on a holiday and you're, you'd have the best two weeks of your life and it might be a nice relaxing thing, man. You still come home fucked. Right. Do you know what I mean? You still come home go, I can't wait to get in my bed. And it takes you like, a couple of days to adjust. Same kind of thing with tour. Hmm. Um, That's a good point. There's probably, there's something else that people won't take into consideration, like, if I go away anywhere with pals I'm away for like four or five days you love them to death it's your best pals but after five days you're like I'm going to not come out if uh, he keeps if he keeps breathing like, <laughs> like I, things annoy you that, so did the crew I, that, annoy happens you? With, that happens with FIFA and as well I'm a fucking pain in the arse imagine there's a wee dick it's not even his tour right it's <laughs> not even his tour he's, he's, he's supporting right and it's like it's like the, the wee brother so imagine being like the sound engineer on that tour, right? Mm. And it's like you're under pressure and all that. It's like a big, big massive gig. You're under pressure. And then they, they, and then you can come back on the tour bus, go right, go and relax, get a wee game of FIFA. And then the fucking, this wee dick comes alive. Bomb and comes she just starts, she just, do you know what I mean? Just starts beating them out. Full of Red Bull and Smarties. Aye. So like lockdown was, it, was a bit of a mad time. When did you eventually get back into the studio? We ended up going back in... In February was the first time. 20, that February this year? Aye, aye. It was funny, man, because we had... So I was doing Liverpool, Bar Street, we recorded. Right, aye. Uh, it was nuts because everything up here had been shut down. So when we went down there, it was like... Well, we, we, we went down twice, actually. And the second time we went down, every, everything had opened up. In Glasgow, everything was still shut, right? Mm-hmm. We went down to record one day, and uh, we ended up... Had a couple of beers on the train down. This was, this was the Wednesday. We were recording on the Friday. Back up road and eh, recording on the Thursday, sorry. Back up road on the Friday. So we said, right, what would they, we won't have a bed every night. We'll go Thursday, which was the studio day, right? Mm-hmm. Thursday night after we recorded the tune, we'll go. So we turn up Lime Street and the street that we had to pick our uh, Airbnb mm-hmm. keys up was the street where all the nightclubs were. Oh, you're kidding <laughs> <on>. <laughs> So, well, I mean, did you see that? It's like in a catch 22. I'd be like, uh, yes, but also, no, I can't exactly. believe it. So we turned up, right? And all you could see is fucking. If Alba was on, I'd have been straight We'd been in the house for eight months by this point, right? Fucking, not heard any music whatsoever. And turned up to fucking this street, man. It's absolutely bouncing. Oh my God, man. That was like an experience in itself because, like, the anxiety of sitting in your house for eight months and loading anything mm. to then, like, having to go into a nightclub and you're just sitting drinking a pint going, how do you, how do I socialize? How do you act? Like, how, how do I communicate here with people? So you get back in the studio and get back making music? Aye, it was dynamite because we got, managed to get the EP done. And what's funny is we had written the tunes. All the tunes had been written a couple of months before it, even though it had been planned 
to go on for like a year mm-hmm. to get the EP done. So like the full track listing had changed. And uh, I, but it was just some boys to be back in about it because we had, what was it, about a year or something at the studio. Maybe even more. It's it, Do you know I think it's so hard to look back and gauge length of time or when things took place? I, like I did things last summer and in my mind it was May. But actually it was late August. Like you just can't, I can't remember when things took place. It's was Groundhog Day, wasn't it? But you were just fucking Aye. sitting in the house. Doing nothing. I sat in my arse for fucking a year and a half. I became a mad cyclist. I was cycling everywhere. Aye. Aye. But we, I was speaking to you about going to... Aye, you know, we still yeah. should go a, a cycle because I like cycling with somebody and heading somewhere far and then getting something to eat and then coming Aye. back. As you get back in the studio, there's a, there is a difference to your sound because you've got the big band behind you. Talk me through that. How did that come about? Ended up when I was, I was doing sound production. One of my lecturers, I was speaking to him, talking about getting a, a drummer and a bassist playing mm-hmm. with And he said that, he said, he said I'll leave it with and then he went away and at lunchtime he came up and said Cammy this is Dylan Dylan Cammy so we went in a, in a wee room and we just started jamming he was Cammy plays drums and uh, so it came for that so we got Cammy and then he was in a band asked the basses if he wants to play with us so he ended up playing with us Aye, and so I kind of came for that and it took a while to get because it was the first time I'd played with a, a proper band mm-hmm. so it took maybe about a month because like the, the tunes before were just all acoustic tunes so we went for gone from it just being acoustic to then having a rhythm section, which is what was always the aim. Do you know what I mean? But for it to come to fruition, it was mental because it was like when you're a wee guy, you're always you always imagine playing with a band and whatever. And then for it to actually happen, I was like, this is fucking nuts. And then to then be able to do that and then go and, and tour with it and stuff was fucking gives it that extra that extra level of the live performance. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think, and I think the great thing about it is that then when people are coming to see you or people just choose to listen to you they've got both options because sometimes you want to listen to an acoustic version or something like strip back and sometimes you're in a certain mood where you, you want to be hearing nah, as I can, just I'm everything I'm together mm-hmm. I think that's like kind of comes from I mean watching Bill Burr speaking about well he, he talks about music as, as well in the sense of if it's just all every tune's loud mm-hmm. every tune's just like a hundred mile an hour then it becomes white noise yeah, feel set. Totally. There needs to be something like kind of peaks and drops. Dynam- uh, sort of so I was going to say the dynamic range. I see. I see this. I see it as a W. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can imagine, like in a kind of dynamic range, where it be, starts off banging, comes down middle banging, comes mm-hmm. back down, finish off in a bang as well. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, I think finding that balance of you're talking about with you've got acoustic thing, but having just a different a, pace on it. Ha- having that element of having the, the rhythm section to just lift it up. Do you know what I mean? The main thing we're here to talk about, I suppose, is transmit you're playing the King Touch stage would the band be joining you aye aye, aye we've got a band we've got uh, Liam's on keyboard as well mm-hmm. which is what's mental is that like so that adds a different element to the kind of spectrum of sound do you know what I mean when you're trying to fill yeah. if you're, if you're, you're trying to fill a live set up uh, how, how are they all feeling about playing transmit because if you've they've usually been introduced by a lecturer and then all of a sudden they're performing at King uh, at transmit they, they must be also buzzing to get going They've played like they've played all sorts of gigs as well, but this, I think the element of this is that we've been out for two years and nobody's done anything. Mm-hmm. So, what day is it that you're playing? The, the Saturday. Saturday. Right. Um, for all years, is like I think it's the that element of it. We've not played in ages mm-hmm. is, is a big factor. But the fact that it's transmitting, the fact that it's a, a home gig, do you know what I mean, I grew up five minutes away from Glasgow Green. So right, there will be fa- fans of yours will be listening to this, obviously, but it'll be transmit fans in general that will be listening and uh, I would recommend that they come and see you because it was always a good show I mean the King Tots gig was amazing 
it was absolutely rocking. Actually going to play another one of those because I had a right good night that night. That's another thing that only happened. Again, like, we can't. I, I can't mind. I can't mind it, but it would have happened around the same time. Mm-hmm. But thinking that was two years ago is absolutely fucking. It's nuts. wild, isn't it? And you've come. You obviously come on so far. Um, it's not held you back any. It might have paused you somewhat, but it's I not brought it's, you back. But what's happened is it's more to do with it definitely delayed the release of because it's kind of the the way I was seeing it is that I would put music out to then tour it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't know why I put out tunes. I don't know why I put out songs when I wasn't. When I wasn't playing them, this is kind of putting you on the spot because it's a tough one. But if you were able to, if now you're about you're playing King Tut's, I keep saying that you're playing the King Tut's stage at Transmit, which is going to be massive hometown gig, Glasgow Green, new music coming out. You're going to be touring. If you could speak to yourself at the start of lockdown, you might have been a wee bit apprehensive. What what advice would you have had for yourself? Stay off the curries. <laughs> that is a, a great way I'm, I'm going to uh, go and get that one that you recommended though or maybe uh, maybe something else thanks mate for coming in nah, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing you play in a couple of weeks and I'm sure you'll be hanging about we'll, we'll get a couple of beers after as well therefore mate aye. Nah, I'll make a wee cycle mate <laughs> me and you'll cycle after it uh, cycle in an electric scooter <laughs> thanks very much for listening uh, there are still tickets available for Transmit so get in there so that you don't miss Dylan because it's going to be one to remember cheers Leathered was written, recorded and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light. Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine and for more information, go to thebiglight.com. If you like this podcast, please check out all our other series including Talk Media, You Could Start a Fight in an Empty House, Talking Derry Girls, Brave Your Day, The Tartan Noir Show, Double Scotch, Great Scott, Trust Me I'm a Leader, Unearthed, A Sonic Hug and Old School. All on the Big Light, Scotland's podcast network. From the Big Light Studio.